have a story you're bursting to tell the world. Are you sick of being rejected by the publishing establishment? Do you want to inject a little punk rock DIY ethos into your indie author career? Join me, best-selling indie author Steph Green, for Rage Against the Manuscript, where we explore how to tell your story, find your readers, and build a badass author brand. For more info, check out our website at www.rageagainstthemanuscript.com. Hey everyone, Steph here, and welcome to episode 2 of the Rage Against the Manuscript podcast. Today, we're going to be answering a question that I got in my reader group, which was, how do you start building a mailing list when you don't have an audience? And the answer to this is really simple, but also really complicated. And the simple answer is that you just start. You choose a platform, you make up the forms that you need, you stick a link in the back of your books or on your social media, and you say, please join my newsletter. And the fact is that you may only get, you know, five people or 10 people or 20 people on your newsletter and you may only have, you know, a handful of people on there for quite a while. But if you don't start, you're never going to be able to grow that newsletter to a thousand people, you know, a thousand true fans. And in this situation, the most important thing to do is to actually start. You've got to start because if you don't start, you won't be able to continue. Perfectionism is procrastination. Perfectionism is the enemy of getting shit done. And so it's really, really important that you make a start on this. You don't sit around. You don't think too much about, am I doing this right? Because in the beginning, everything that you do is right. You know, having a newsletter is for an author is better than not having a newsletter. And it doesn't really matter if you choose the wrong platform or you know anything like that the important thing is to just is to just choose one and do it so I'm gonna kind of talk a little bit about you know what I would do if I was an author back in the situation and kind of some of the experiences that I've had so much of publishing in the early days is yelling into the void and this can feel really disheartening, um, you know, when you're, you feel like you're trying to get your books out there, but there's only, you've only got 20 people on your newsletter, you've only got like a handful of people following you on Facebook, you know, your books are hardly selling, and, you know, all that everyone keeps telling you to do is to just, you know, just get out there and just write more, and, you know, that's this, it is this real feeling of yelling into the void. And that can be really disheartening. And you'll yell and yell and yell and your voice gets sore and you just think, fuck, what's even the point of all this? And it's at this point when people give up, when writers decide, look, I, you know, maybe I'm not cut out for the self-publishing thing, you know, obviously my books just don't have an audience, and they quit. And this is usually in the first year of doing this, but it could you know, even be in the first three years or five years. And I'm not going to lie that I have definitely thought about giving up during this period too. Now, my career as a self-publisher has been quite interesting. So before I found success self-publishing romance, I was publishing science fiction. And I didn't do very well there. And so I had a couple of years where I was selling, you know, a couple of books a month kind of thing, doing self, uh, doing science fiction. So I'd already had that, you know, that period where I wasn't feeling like I was gaining any traction. And then when I switched genres, I started to find an audience and, and I found my own voice. And that was amazing. But what happened was, you know, the, the first month I had, you know, I hit a certain number, I 
probably made about $3,000 or something like that in the, f- the first month I self-published Romance. And then what happened was for about two, two and a half, three years after that, I couldn't get past that ceiling. Just every month, no matter what I did, no matter how much the quality of my books improved, no matter how much money I put into advertising, no matter how many more authors I gained or how many more people I added to my newsletter list, I could not earn more than that. And this amount of money wasn't quite enough for me to quit my day job. And I was just getting more stressed and more angry and annoyed with myself because I would see other people succeeding and other people, you know, sailing past this kind of income ceiling that I felt like I'd hit. And it was just starting to feel to be like it it would just never happen, like this was me for the rest of my life. But at some point, if you just keep going and you keep publishing and you keep learning and improving, you will find your audience and you're going to get better. And it might take five books or it might take 20 books or it may take 200 books. And there are certainly things that you can do to make it more likely that it's going to be 20 books versus 200 books. And I I talk a lot about this in my self-publishing course. And I, I want you to remember that my first really serious hit you know, book that really took off was the 34th book I published. And I've been really lucky in that 33 books, you know, even though none of them were as big a hit as book number 34, they still pulled in a decent amount of money every month as a backlist. And, and this is, again, why, you know, backlists are really awesome. And it's also why you should keep going because, you know, even if it is your 34th or your 200th book that really takes off, you've still got those 199 other books where A, you were learning your craft and you were were learning all kinds of things and B, you know, you're still pulling in a little bit of, of income and let me tell you what happens when one book takes off is that it lifts up the rest of your backlist and, and things that, you know, while only selling a couple of copies a month suddenly start selling 20 copies a month and, you know, that's really nice as well. And I always look back and think, what if I quit at book number 33? You know, what if I never got to look back and, you know, knew that I could see what was on the other side of book 34? And I think that's really important to remember. Now, I say this a lot, that I I think if you are going to be doing anything to market your self-publishing, I think you should start with a newsletter. And I think you should start now. Now, having a newsletter is, is... the reason that having a newsletter is really important, or I, I think it's one of the best things that you can do, is because obviously you own that information. So if you're growing a Facebook page or an Instagram feed or some other kind of social media, the problem with that is is that you don't own that data. Uh, the, the platform that you're on owns that data. And so at any time they can decide to change the algorithms or they can decide to deny you access to that data and then suddenly you're cut off from your audience or they've got us they put a stranglehold around your ability to interact with your audience. And so with a newsletter, you actually own that data. And if the platform that you're on, the newsletter platform that you're on, sucks, you can actually take your list and you can move it to another platform. And I've done that probably three or four times in my, in my life. Now, when you're starting, there are lots of different platforms that you can choose from. Uh, some of that a lot of authors use. There's MailerLite, there's Sensi, uh, Sendfox, there's MailChimp, uh, there's Sendinblue, there's all kinds of other ones. And sort of, to a certain extent, they're all kind of the same. 
Now, some of them will give you more free subscribers. So MailChimp does 2,000 free subscribers, whereas MailerLite's uh, only 1,000. And some of the other ones are only like 100 free subscribers. Um, there's some price differences. Uh, MailChimp's probably the most expensive out of all of them. Um, they're sort of moving away from being a purely newsletter-focused platform and, and they're kind of working more around integrating with ad platforms, which is quite interesting, but it's probably less useful for sort of more kind of newbie authors. But I think what you should do is you should just choose a platform. You just, just choose one. Don't worry too much if it's going to work for you in the long term or not, because it is actually relatively easy to change things and, and to move to a new one. So choose a platform, just choose one that you like, you know, that has a budget that suits you. And I think you should you should start trying things. So, the, you know, the first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to actually set up the newsletter process so you're going to need a form for people to fill in um, you're going to need a you know see a landing page for the form to sit on so you can do that on your own website or most newsletter services have a landing page where you can you know just set up a page and it has a, a link specific to them so you set up your form and then once you've got the link to your landing page whether that's the landing page on your website or whether that is the page that you've done through you know mail light or whatever you've got that link you then put that link into the back of your books and i think that's the most even if you do nothing else you should have that link in the back of your books front of your books often works quite well as well it's front of the books back of the books if you've got any social media pages i just post it up there let people know now, at this point, you have a newsletter, so you've, you've got a way for people to start receiving information from you. Now, hopefully you're going to get a few sign-ups right away, um, and so let's say you end up with 20 people on the list. And it may feel weird, like, what the hell's the point of emailing 20 people with a newsletter? But I think the point in the beginning is to get you used to this, this way of communicating with readers. And what's really cool is you you're able in the beginning to do lots of experimenting on these 20 people and you can figure out what works for your audience and what doesn't work so that when you get 200 people or 2000 people you're already like yes I have got this sussed I know what I'm doing so I think you should start trying things what I think I would do is I would try to send a newsletter once a month I would write a date in my calendar and I would set that up as a recurring date with myself and on that date I would sit down and I'd write my newsletter and send out my newsletter. I would make this newsletter quite chatty, um, I'd make sure it's not too long, I wouldn't use too many images because images can blow out the size of the email and certain mailing clients might chuck that into spam. So I would just say like, hi, you know, it's Steph, um, I'm back here again, just going to give you a quick update on what I'm working on. You know, if you're far enough along in your book, you could maybe do a little excerpt. You know, if you've released something, obviously you're going to do it, you know, this is where you get the book. If the book's on pre-order, you know, here's a link to the book. Um, maybe you have got the new cover art, so you can share the cover art in the newsletter. Or maybe there's something else, you know, maybe you do a little interview with one of the characters or you know maybe you've got some character inspiration art or you know even maybe there's a tv show that you're really into at the moment that you think readers of your series are going to be really into as well so something like that 
And if I didn't have any book news to share, I would probably just tell like a funny story about my life. But I would make sure that on that date, I definitely sent a newsletter because I'm getting used to this process of, right, it's a state, got to send a newsletter. So I would do that for six months and I would just get used to sending out the newsletter and just figuring out kind of my voice and how I want to talk to my readers and what I want to talk to them about. And another thing is, you know, maybe you could try at the end of the newsletter, you know, ask people a question and see if you can get people to email you back. And then you start a little conversation with them. And so maybe you've only got these 20 people on your list, but if you are actually having, you know, email correspondence with, you know, back and forth with these 20 people, you're probably well in the process of turning those people into dedicated lifetime fans. And 20 dedicated lifetime fans is a super, super valuable thing to have, and you will never regret that. So I would do this for six months, just sending out my newsletter once a month. And then I would start looking at changing things up and seeing the better results that I could get. So I would maybe consider, you know, changing the frequency. If, if I think that I'm enjoying the process and I think that I've got more I can say, I'd maybe try once a fortnight. Then, you know, maybe I'd try changing up the content. I'd make the newsletter a bit longer or I'd move you know, maybe I'd move the book announcement right up to the top of the newsletter or, you know, maybe right down to the bottom. And I just see, you know, what what's the different results. When we talk about results in newsletters, we're mainly talking about two metrics. We're talking about the open rate, so how many people on your list actually open the newsletter. And the open rate has mostly to do with, it's got two main factors. That is how many people actually see that they've received the newsletter. So how many newsletters have been delivered to correctly to the email clients and how many haven't been sent to spam or to the promotions tab on Gmail. And that factor has mostly to do with the email, with the newsletter service that you choose to use because some of them have better deliverability than others. Uh, and it's also got to do with, you know, when you send a newsletter, especially when you do it the first, try and get people to add your email to their preferred sender list. And that means that the email will be going to their main inbox. So that's the first factor about open rate. And the second factor about open rate is the subject line of the email. And that subject line has got to be really catchy and it's got to inspire people to open the email. And the better you get at doing that, the better open rates you'll get. So that's the first metric, open rates. And the second metric is the click-through rate, which is of the people that open the email, what percentage of them click on a link in your email. And obviously the click-through rate has to do with, you're mainly looking at two things here, how engaging the content is in the email and how much the people who open the email want the thing that you're, you know, you're asking them to click on, which you know, usually is one of your books. It might be a blog post, might be something else, but usually it's a book. So two factors, uh, how engaging is the content, which is what you're learning how to do right now. And the second thing is how much do they want the book that you're selling. And you'll often find that your click-through rate will go up or down depending on the way you have acquired subscribers to your list. 
So subscribers who have already read a book, so they've come to your newsletter through the link in the back of a book, they're quite engaged. They've already read a book by you, so they're much more likely to read another book. But subscribers that you get through like newsletter swaps with other authors or kind of big newsletter promotions where the subscriber may never have actually read a book by you, uh, they tend to be less engaged, and so they're less likely to open, they're also less likely to click. So anytime you change up things in your newsletter, you should be looking at these open rates and these click-through rates. Are things improving? Are they going down? So you can change the frequency of the newsletter, you can change the newsletter content, you can fiddle with things, um, you, you can change the way that your newsletter looks. So I've done a lot of experiments in the past where I've made the newsletter look more like a private email that I've just sent the person, so I've taken away like all the design elements of it. Some authors find that works really well, and other authors find that they get much better open rates when their newsletter looks like quite highly designed, more like it comes from a company. And at the moment, that's what I'm doing. My newsletters are a bit sort of quite nicely designed. And that works better for me, but it's really going to depend on you and your audience what works for you. So that's one thing you can do. And another big thing that you can do, and this is a really great way to improve your open rate, is to A-B test the subject lines of your newsletter. So an A-B test is when the platform that you use, so the MailerLite or MailChimp or whatever, they'll send a portion of your newsletters to one section of your list and another version of the same newsletter to another section and you'll test you'll change one thing in between those versions and you'll see which section opens more and so I do this a lot to test subject lines and the main thing that I test is when I do a new release so I'm trying to see if I write new release get blah blah, blah title of the book now is that a better subject line than a subject line that's something like the first the first catchy hook sentence of the blurb? So which one is actually better? And I'm trying that's what I'm trying to figure out at the moment. And that's the kind of thing that you can do with A/B testing. It's quite easy to set up, and the platform will actually do most of the work for you. You've just got to choose the different uh, headlines that you're testing. So this is a really great time to try things because you're new and you've only got 20 people and so if you you know if you mess things up it's not too bad you know you've kind of got nothing to lose and you're learning how to use all the different features of the newsletter client that you're on and what you like and what you don't like and what works and what doesn't work. So I think you just you know just keep trying something different each time and just see what results you get. And I want you to remember that it's okay if you don't have this, you know, this big number of people on your list and that your list is still super valuable, even if it's only got 20 people or 200 people, it doesn't have to have thousands. One way you can look at this is, for example, if you have 200 people on your list, but every single one of them opens your emails, so you have a 100% open rate, then that is significantly better than having a 2,000 people on your list, but only 10% of them open. Now, both of those things are 200 people opening your email. But the thing is, if you've got a 100% open rate, and you're at 200 people now, when you're at 2,000 people, you're going to be so much better off because your, your audience is so much more engaged. You are doing something right. Versus that person who's got the 
only that ten percent open rate because they could have twenty thousand people, but if you know if eighteen thousand of those twenty thousand people aren't engaging with their newsletters, then they're not even worth having. So here it's not about quantity, it's not about how many you have, but it's about how you talk to them and how much they enjoy engaging with you. So I think when this question was asked, what it's really kind of asking about is how to build your newsletter, how to get more subscribers. And I think really this comes down to you have to write more things and publish more things and make it really clear that if people want more information about the things that you publish, they join your list. And so that obviously comes from the, having the link in the back of the books, having the link on your website. If you can, if you've got the know-how to do this, uh, do one of those little pop-up windows. So when someone lands on your website after a little while, a window comes up and it asks people to sign up to your newsletter. And that's a really good way to get subscribers as well. Now, obviously, all these things rely on people reading your books and going to your website and all these kind of things. And that comes with, with time as, you know, as your popularity grows and as you publish more. Now, there are other things that you can do to get newsletter subscribers. So one thing that you can do is a, a lot of authors will participate in what they call newsletter builders. So these are joint promotions with other authors. And they kind of fall into two camps. The first type of newsletter builder I'm going to talk about comes from services like BookFunnel, like Prolific Works, and these are services that authors can use to basically give away their books for free. And the way a BookFunnel promotion works is that there's usually an author who organizes it, or an organizer, and they will create a theme. And, you know, so for example, in my genre, the theme might be paranormal reverse harem books. And they will invite other authors to sign up for this builder. As a participating author, if you have a series that fits the theme, you can use prolific works to upload a book, to set the book or you know, maybe a short story or even just a sample of the book for free. And then the author who's organizing it will, put, um, will create a landing page which has all the different books from maybe 10 different authors which are available for free. These are usually the first book in a series. And then each author will then have to take that landing page and promote it to the audience. What that landing page does is a reader can go to that page and they can choose the books or the samples or the little short stories that look interesting to them and they can download freebies of those in exchange for giving their email address and signing up to that author's newsletter. And they can choose whichever authors they want on the page, so there might be 10 or 20 authors on the page, and they might only choose three or four books that they'd like for free. There are lots of services that run these promotions for authors, and the platforms like BookFunnel, like Prolific Works, make it really easy to set up and run these things. They're really popular and they're a really great way to get, you know, you often get sort of a hundred new subscribers at a time. And the other type of newsletter builder, which is less common nowadays, mainly because the book funnel and that is so good at creating these platforms. So there's another type of builder, which is basically follows the same principle. There's another type of builder that basically follows the same principle. So usually what will happen is that you know the authors might contribute a, a book or a freebie or a free scene or free chapters or something, but usually what they'll simply do is they'll all pull together 
$50 each or $10 each or something, and they'll end up with a, a large sum of money that they can use as a prize pool. So often this prize pool will go towards um, a Kindle and then a, a book voucher. So as a reader, you can enter a competition to win a Kindle and maybe a $100 book voucher. Or, you know, there's often other prizes. Sometimes these builders will be themed around a certain author. So for example, if you write urban fantasy, they might choose a really big urban fantasy author, like maybe Laurel K. Hamilton, and you win a Kindle, you win a $100 book voucher, and you also win like a whole bunch of Laurel's latest books. And it's not affiliated with Laurel K. Hamilton, but that's the prize that's given out. Everyone who enters the competition will have to give their email address, and they'll have to tick a box which says, I agree to be contacted by the, the organisers of this competition, which is 10 or 20 or sometimes more authors who've got together and pulled their money. And then what happens at the end of the competition, a winner is drawn, and then a spreadsheet of all the email addresses is given to every one of the authors. And then every one of the authors is able to contact those people on the spreadsheet and you know, introduce themselves and say, hey, you know, you signed up to my mailing list, here's some of my books. Now, as I said, these used to be really, really popular, but they're significantly less popular now, largely because what would happen is, <laughs> and I can say this from experience, so I was in a one of these promotions, and it was a big one, and it had, it was either 50 or 100 authors that were involved, it was a lot of authors, and that meant it had a big prize pool, so lots of readers really wanted, it was something like a thousand dollar Amazon voucher, it was crazy, so lots of people wanted this prize pool, and uh, gee, I think there might have also been, you know, it might have been like a stack of a hundred paperback books, so you know, it's like a whole library you get, so readers are really excited about this. So we ended up with this list of 20,000 email addresses, which sounds amazing, like you have just grown your email list from 200 people to 20,000 people, just, just like that. So that was pretty incredible, except when it came to the second section, which was you know, the authors being able to email the readers. The organisers were worried that if a hundred authors emailed the readers all on the same day, the readers would get, you know, really annoyed about this, suddenly having all this email that they didn't necessarily expect just for entering this competition. And so they said that authors would have to spread out these messages. So you had to sign up for a date when you wanted to email this mailing list. Now what happened was, funnily enough, I think you can probably guess, was that the readers were starting to get, you know, every day they were getting two or three or five of these emails from authors. And, you know, after a while you have no memory of this competition that you entered. And you're just like, why am I getting all this random emails? And it felt really spammy. Uh, the list were getting lots and lots of spam complaints. And, you know, the poor authors who didn't sign up for like the first five or ten days, because it was a hundred authors, so it was very first in, first served, you know, some authors weren't able to email this list until like a hundred days after it started. And, you know, by that time everyone has completely forgotten. They have no idea who you are, they don't care, it's all going to spam. So it was, it was effectively a completely pointless exercise. 
And so that's why I think if I were you, I would be really wary of that type of builder. They're just not as valuable anymore because um, BookFunnel, Prolific Works, other platforms have a much better system because they're actually just allowing readers to choose the specific stories that they're interested in. It's for readers who are interested in a particular book series, a particular cover. You know, that sounds really interesting. So they're not actually just people who want to enter a competition. If you're doing these kind of builders, you're probably going to find that these readers aren't as engaged as readers who have read one of your books and come to your newsletter that way. So what I would do is I would put them on a separate list. So I would send them all the same emails that I send my main list, but I would keep them on a separate list and I would possibly consider purging that list. So, you know, especially if you're worried about being able to afford your newsletter service and if you sort of manage to use these platforms to grow your list, you know, to 2,000 people or something like that, you know, I would maybe look at, you know, deleting the emails of people on just on this section of your newsletter who haven't opened any newsletters. You can email those people before you delete them and say, hey, just notice you haven't downloaded, just notice you haven't opened any newsletters, do you still want to stay on this newsletter? And that will help for people who, because sometimes you can actually see newsletters, you can actually read newsletters without opening them. And a lot of people, you'll be surprised at the number of people who actually do this. And so they don't register as having opened your newsletter, even though they might be like your biggest fan. So I just want to add that, you know, it seems really obvious, but make sure that you mention your newsletter. You know, when you go into Facebook groups and maybe talk to readers of different people, you know, mention that you have a newsletter. Make sure that you mention it periodically on your social media. Make sure you mention it in your books. Make sure you tell people about it on the front page of your website. It kind of seems really obvious, but you'd be surprised at how many people just make the newsletter and just forget to tell people that it actually exists. And of course, another way that you can try to get people on your newsletter is to have a reader magnet. And reader magnets are these, you know, it's, it's some kind of freebie that you give readers in exchange for their email address. And so usually they've got something to do with your books, so it might be an entire free book. Um, a lot of authors will do something that they call a starter library, which is like three free books smushed together. Um, I have a compendium, which is a selection of deleted scenes, uh, bonus short stories, alternative point of view scenes, just kind of like random stuff, all from different series, which is jammed together into one book. And the reason for that is that I did a, this big experiment over a number of years where I tried to figure out which type of reader magnet is going to be the best one for my audience. And so I tried a different reader magnet for every series, like not even every series, every book sometimes. So some books would have an epilogue, some books would have a, like a bonus kind of short story, some would have a, a deleted scene, some would have an alternative point of view. I did like whole separate novellas, did all these different things. And I just looked at which ones got downloaded the most. If you downloaded this certain reader magnet versus that reader magnet, which one, you know, which subscribers ended up being more engaged, all these kind of things I looked at. And I came to the conclusion that for my audience, the best, what they love the most is alternative scenes, which is where you take a scene in the book, which is written from one character's point of view, and you rewrite it from the other character's point of view. And this is really awesome to me because they are actually also the easiest thing to write. And... So, but what, what that meant was that I ended up with like 20 different newsletter 
signups and all these different links and all, it was just really complicated and I decided it needed to be not so complicated so I jammed them all together into this one compendium and that is the thing that everyone downloads. And what it also means is that, so exa for example, if, you, if you're downloading the compendium because you want the exclusive bonus scene from one particular series, the compendium has all this, this the compendium has all these books and short stories and things from all the different series, and so you might read another one and go, oh, actually, I'd like to read that series. So it kind of serves as an advertising for all the rest of my books as well. If you want to, it's really worthwhile experimenting with reader magnets, but it's kind of a topic for a whole different podcast, and I see that we've been going for a while already, so I think that that's going to be all for today. This has been a bit of a crazy ride because we've kind of talked about newsletters but we've also touched on lots of different things and we've talked about perfection and about, you know, screaming into the void. <laughs> it's been, yeah, it's been real. So I hope you found this, you know, really useful. If you've got a question that you want to ask me about self-publishing or writing or building a career as an author, then head over to the Rage Against the Manuscript Facebook page or email me on steph at rageagainstthemanuscript.com and I'll be happy to talk about it in a future episode. For more totally rad free stuff for writers and for info about my self-publishing books and courses, head to www.rageagainstthemanuscript.com. That's all from me. Happy writing.